When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are much more important stories out there than the newest communist on the Supreme Court. There's the border. We have Chip Roy to talk about that. Brand new Hunter Biden stuff and much more coming up on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. It's time to talk about the border crisis. I know what the hot news of the day is. I know what every single other person has talked about today. Oh, KBJ's on the Supreme Court. It's a big deal. Okay, so a communist is going to the Supreme Court. We knew that was going to happen all along. There was nothing we were ever going to be able to do to stop that. So let's focus on what we might be able to do to possibly save America, uh, actually stop people from invading the country. I mean, people who don't live along the border don't seem to understand how big of a deal what's happening right now already is. Before they lift all this Title 42 stuff, before they do anything with it, we are already in a crisis right now. Overwhelmed, overrun. Do you remember the 14,000 Haitians who amassed on our border and they did everything they could to keep news cameras away from the border and then we all woke up one day and they were gone. Only they didn't go back to Haiti. They came into the United States of America. We've been allowing people to flood the United States of America now for over a year. Well, it's actually about to get worse. They're going to lift 
a Trump policy, Title 42, which essentially let us keep people out. It's a great excuse to keep people out. You know, illegal immigration is actually bad. Did you know that? You don't want a bunch of people flooding your country who aren't citizens of your country. I know that's shocking these days, but that's, that's true. Well, the border was bad before. I'm going to give you a number, and this is just the number I've been told. When they lift Title 42, we are facing 18,000 illegal immigrants a day flooding into the country. That is the remaking of the United States of America. The DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, it's Trump's fault. It's very difficult to predict what that migration will be, but we are planning for different scenarios. We are then at the border, surging resources. What distinguishes us from the past uh, is the fact that we will not implement policies of cruelty that disregard our asylum laws. We are rebuilding a system that was entirely dismantled. But do you acknowledge you're likely going to see a surge? We very well could, and our job is to be prepared to address it. They're not prepared to address it. They're already horribly understaffed, and that's not even bringing up the fact that ICE, the guys responsible for deporting illegal immigrants, they actually only have about 3,000 agents now who go out and deport people, and those 3,000 really aren't allowed to do their jobs anymore. Yes, I hear from ICE agents as well. We're not only flooding the country with illegal immigrants, the problem is about to get much, much, much worse. And once they're here, we cannot deport them. We are witnessing the destruction, the intentional destruction of the United States of America. And you do need to understand this is intentional. When I say they're flooding the country with illegal immigrants who have no loyalty to the country, if you were to hook Alejandro Mayorkas or Joe Biden or any of them up to a lie detector test and tell them that, they would go, yeah, I know, good, they'll vote Democrat. Now, the public's against it. 56% of the voters are against the move to lift Trump's border controls. So even the public knows, at least half of them do, and yet it's full steam ahead anyway. Why? Well, the Democratic Party, the modern Democratic Party, is an anti-American death cult out to destroy us all. And that's just a fact. And I'll tell you, it did my heart well to see my friend Chip Roy on the House floor go off about this yesterday. My colleagues in Texas mocked the focus by some of my colleagues on the need to have Title 42, as if it's not causing rampant flow across our border, little girls put in stash houses, getting raped, cartels making $100 million. And then the chairman scoffs. The chairman scoffs when I say little girl getting raped in a stash house. Has the chairman been to the border of Texas? Has the chairman been in the last year to the border of Texas and met with border patrol agents, gone down and talked to the people that are sitting there looking at what's actually happening in would stash you, houses? Did the gentleman yield? I'll yield briefly. Yes. And what did you find? No stash houses? The chairman scoffed. Is the chairman saying there are no stash houses, no little girls getting raped in Texas? The other side of the aisle just doesn't give a whit about it as evidenced by the scoff of the Judiciary Committee chairman. It's absolutely mind-boggling. This is what the American people are absolutely sick and tired of. Daggone, Chip. Joining me now, my friend Congressman Chip Roy, who went scorched earth yesterday on that loser Jerry Nather. Uh, Chip? 
Hangman, go easy on him. No, no chance, man. I, look, you know and I know that there are real people getting hurt by this leftist, uh, open borders, international, let everybody flow across the borders worldview. And it really is that, right? And people say, oh, they're doing this for political purposes. No, it's actually worse than that. They're doing it because they don't believe in sovereignty and they don't believe that their policies are actually harming American citizens or even the migrants that they say they're helping in the false name of compassion. It's complete uh, garbage and we should call them out on it. And I actually get annoyed that not every one of my colleagues uh, are doing the same thing. We should be ripping every one of these democratic losing jackasses a new one. And uh, we're not, and we ought to be doing it every day. Congressman, I, I know this is an ugly topic, and you brought it up, and I'm glad you're willing to talk about it. I generally try to stray from some of this stuff on the show because I have so many kids that watch, but we have, to, we have to talk about it. The child rape that happens with the modern-day slave trade across our southern border, it is horrific. Everything from the rape trees to the videos, I am told, that are filmed on U.S. soil, it is... It is a situation that is on a, it's some of the most heartbreaking, horrific stuff I've ever heard about in my entire life. And that should be something that tugs at everyone's heartstrings, right? Even some globalists. You would think so, right? I mean, Jesse, I remember about a year ago, I go to the border probably every two or three months. About a year ago when I was at the border in McAllen and I was under the bridge at one of the heights of one of the surges. And I was talking to migrants in my broken Spanish, and there was this beautiful little girl. She's probably about seven years old. Truly just beautiful girl from Honduras. And I think she's from Honduras. And um, I asked her where she was from, and she said so. And, and I asked her if she was alone, and she said yes. There was a young man there, probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, um, who said he'd just run across her in the middle of Mexico, and he seemed to in good faith, and he was 12 or 13, so I tended to believe it, kind of looking after her. She had a phone number written on her arm trying to get to South Carolina. Now, I hope that that girl made it through okay and ended up getting to South Carolina without being abused in any part of the journey. But the fact is, I've talked to numerous people on the ground. I've talked to numerous people that, as they cross about the girls that they've seen getting raped or abused, that they know that the cartels are doing it. They're making millions of dollars on the back of it um, because you know that's what's occurring. Let me give you an example. Two nights ago, I got an update from my friend Jason Jones. I think you might know Jason Jones. He's a former DPS agent. He does a lot of stuff on the border. And he was down talking to some Venezuelans, Cubans, others that had crossed. And he asked them, well, I mean, how much were you paying this time? And they said three to $5,000, but none of them had that cash. So what they were on was on a monthly payment plan. Well, what do you think happens in those monthly payment plans? What do you think happens when, as for example, the car in Bernie, Texas, you know, the suburb of San Antonio, pretty red, rural, you know, community uh, or suburban community. Uh, we stopped a car that had nine people in it, one of whom was an American citizen driver, but it was an employee of the cartel who was taking that car to a stash house in Houston, Texas, to then put them into the sex trafficking trade and the, and the labor trade. One of the kids in that car had paid four or five grand to go to California to pick grades. Like, look, there are so many of these stories these are human beings that are being used as political pawns in the false name of compassion by Democrats, and I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of lip service from limp-wristed loser Republicans who refuse to actually stand up and fight for the state of Texas or their country. I'm tired of it, and I'm going to call them out. 
I'm glad you do. All right, uh, Title 42, uh, Congressman, before we go into the idiocy, the lunacy uh, of lifting it, can you explain what exactly it is? The word's been thrown around a lot. No one seems to be explaining it very well. No, I'm glad you do that, and I'm guilty of it because we, we, you know, in government, we say Title 42, like anybody knows what the hell that means. Look, here's the thing. In our code, right, there are immigration codes. It's illegal to come to the United States without paper, right? But, of course, we allow it to happen. One of the tools that you can use to stop the flow into the United States is if there is a public health emergency or under whatever orders from CDC, Surgeon General, et cetera, CDC makes a decision under our health codes that we can't allow people to come in because of communicable diseases, then Border Patrol can turn them around. So Donald Trump and his team, uh, Border Patrol head Mark Morgan and others were part of that, worked with the then CDC head, uh, head who I think might have been Redfield at the time, to say we should be using Title 42 during a pandemic, or frankly, more broadly than that. We have flu, we have tuberculosis, we have all these things. So they did. And they were able to then use that quickly to turn people around. And those numbers plummeted. So in that last year of, of Trump, we had about 460,000 apprehensions. Well, then enter Biden. They stopped using Title 42 as much. They signaled that they're not going to use the migrant protection protocols and return to Mexico, right, to send people back across or to leave them there. And guess what happened? We have 2 million people. Now, the Biden administration says we're going to stop using Title 42. Now, let's put it in perspective. Last year, 700,000 people released to the United States, but around a million were turned away under Title 42. In March of this year, 217,000 apprehensions, half of them turned away under Title 42. We're at 8,000 a day coming across. Now let's fast forward to May. Assume the numbers stay flat. They won't, they'll go up. Assume they stay flat. You're still talking 800,000 a day. You're talking somewhere around 240,000 a month and all of them would be released into the United States. That's roughly yeah. you know, 200,000 and change times 12 months. You're really getting close to 3 million type numbers. The danger there is that Border Patrol has to process all those people. And then you leave all that space between the ports of entries open and you have gotaways. Those are your real bad actors. Those are your Chinese nationals. Those are your Russian. Those are your known terrorists, uh, people from state sponsors of terror. Those are your murderers, your rapists, your bad drug traffickers. That's where fentanyl comes in. And then we have our kids dying of fentanyl poisonings in Austin, Texas or Houston, Texas, or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So it sounds like what you're saying is because of this, we're going to overwhelm the Border Patrol agents who are there, and they're going to have to spend all their time dealing with people who actually want to get caught and therefore have no time to track down the really bad people who don't want to get caught. Do I have that right? You do have it right, and it's funny. Uh, you have it right, but yet our Border Patrol head and, and our head of Department of Homeland Security doesn't have it right. And let me just say one other thing about the head of Homeland Security. He still has not apologized, neither has Jen Psaki, neither has the president, for saying that two horseback Border Patrol agents whipped patients when it is very clear that they did not. I asked the secretary that two days ago. Now, it was in a private conversation, but let me just tell you I wasn't thrilled with the response. <sighs> All right, Congressman, thank you so much. Please stay on them. Keep, keep firing away over there. We will. Our country deserves no less. And you didn't wear the uniform, and the people who fight for this country didn't wear the uniform in order for us to hand it over. This is our country. We're not letting them have it. Amen. Go get them, sir.
one of the great ones there, I'll tell you that much. All right. We're going to talk to John Phillips next. We talk a lot about the crime wave happening in this country. Illegal immigration plays a part in that. It plays a part in the homeless problem. We're going to talk to the great John Phillips about it in just a second. But let's do something else. You would never let probably a friend look over your shoulder while you type out an email, right? This wouldn't happen. It's not something normal, let alone your enemy. You wouldn't let someone who hates you read all your emails. That'd be ridiculous. Imagine CCing your enemy on all your emails. You are. That Gmail account you have, what do you think Google's doing with that? Why do you think they let you have an email account for free? You think all these companies give out your email, give people email accounts for free out of the goodness of their hearts? They're reading every email you send and receive, and they're collecting all your information, and they're selling said information. It is time to start taking care of your privacy. Get secure, S-E-K-U-R, not American, based in Switzerland. That's important. That means American laws can't touch them no matter what they try to do. For $7.50 a month, that's all, with use the promo code JESSE, $7.50 a month gets you totally secure email. Secure.com, promo code JESSE. All right, we'll be back. We talk a lot about crime. We always will. I mean, actually, I take that back. I hope we don't always have to talk about it, but there's a crime wave in this country right now, especially in the cities. It's really bad. And we always talk about how the defund the police movement obviously contributed a lot to that, but it's not just the defund the police movement. There are other aspects to it, and one of those is a wide open border. And if you live in places like Southern California, you feel the effects of that. Joining me now, my friend John Phillips of the great John Phillips Show on KABC Radio in Los Angeles. John, people don't talk enough about the connection between an open border and crime, but there is most definitely a connection. Oh, there absolutely is. And, and beyond that, let's just think about the world that we live in right now, where everyone was forced to stay inside and. Here in California, the lockdowns were really severe for two years. People who are addicts who are used to going to meetings and, and in recovery were not allowed to do that. People had all kinds of psychological games played with their heads by these public health officials and politicians. So the fact that drugs are flowing across the border right now are particularly dangerous to that population. And then when you look at, at what's going on with the homeless crisis, I know that politicians like to pretend like the homeless crisis is exploding because of the high cost of housing. No, 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 no. It's drugs and it's mental illness that feed into one another. So when you, whether it's crime, whether it's overdose deaths, whether it's homelessness, drugs flowing across the border impact every single one of those issues negatively that's crushing states like California. John, people who don't live in California or don't see how bad it's gotten in places like L.A., can you explain just how bad the homeless crisis is? Because my Southern California friends, they tell me things that they make my jaw drop. Yeah, you drive around Los Angeles and the first thing you say to yourself is, I should have bought stock at REI because all you see <laughs> are tents everywhere you turn. And it didn't used to be like this. And it used to be where the, that the homeless people were on Skid Row and you knew where they were, you knew what areas to avoid. 
But now it's no longer just a Skid Row thing. It's in the San Fernando Valley. It's the beaches. It's Orange County. It's the Inland Empire. Disneyland, right outside of Disneyland, they have a, a massive problem. Uh, it's something that, that impacts the entire state. And really, if you go up the Pacific Coast, it's really bad in Oregon. It's really bad in Washington State as well. I have friends in Alaska who tell me that they're having a problem up there now. And it's not something that you see that often when you go to places like Florida and Texas. It's a function of the failure of government. Okay, what what failure? Because well, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm here in Houston, and obviously we have homeless people here in Houston. It's a big city, but it's a standard big city homeless problem. It's nothing like what I experienced like when I went to New York last time. What are these policy differences that cause a bad homeless problem versus standard homeless problems? Well, if you're woke, you're, you're paralyzed uh, in doing anything about it. Uh, you know, you don't need new laws. You don't need new legislation, new departments. You just need to enforce the existing laws that you have. Uh, a good friend of mine was the mayor of a large city in Los Angeles County that had a declining homeless population at the same time that it was exploding everywhere else. And I asked him, what did you do to reduce your homeless population? And he said, we opened up shelters that we know would go unfilled and we enforce quality of life laws. So if you're urinating in public or you're doing drugs in public or you're you know, committing any sort of crime that's associated with homelessness, they blew the whistle every time and made it so that their town was inhospitable to the homeless. And when we'd go to the judge and the judge would say, well, you know, what, what are you doing to, to house these people? They would point to the homeless shelter that had open space and say, we're offering them a bed, they're just not going. So what eventually happened is they just moved on to Los Angeles, they moved on to Santa Monica, they moved on to other cities that are willing to put up with it. If you're willing to put up with it, they will come. Okay, let's shifting back to crime. We, we talked a little bit about illegal immigration, how that plays a part in it. What about these DAs? What about LA's DA? Yeah, this is George Soros that is getting involved in these races. If you think about district attorney, there's really no one with a lot of money that has a dog in the fight. You have, you know, the district, the deputy district attorneys association, they play in these races, but it's not like, you know, if you're a mayor and developers need your ear or the unions need your ear or whatever. So Soros made the calculation that he could go into these races in places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, New York, not spend a lot of money, but just spend enough to win and to install these left-wing radicals that essentially were running for office to destroy these offices from within and act essentially as a criminal defense attorney as the elected district attorney. And they have mutiny in their offices. Their deputies um, you know, do not want to work for them. Uh, they can't perform the basic duties of their jobs. And now you're starting to see backlash. You have a, a recall that qualified for the ballot in San Francisco. Uh, there's one that we're working on here in Los Angeles. And unless and until someone starts to push back on Soros, uh, he's going to continue to do this. Uh, I know in Houston, he was playing in that race, and, and because of that, you know, public safety has taken a real hit. And it, it can happen anywhere. It can happen in, in, in red states and blue states all over the place. John, I have to ask, because I'm just floored by this. We are a major country, I mean, most powerful country on earth, and yet we allow a foreign-born billionaire to intentionally cause death 
right in our major cities. What does that say about us? Yeah, uh, it, it shows you how much money plays in politics. I mean, and really not that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's, it's a shame because not that long ago, New York was safe. Not that long ago, Los Angeles was safe. Now, the police department in Los Angeles is telling people, don't wear expensive jewelry. Leave your flashy car in the garage. If you're wearing a nice watch, if you're driving a nice car, you might be the victim of a crime. So drive your beater and dress frumpy. And it, it, it sounds insane to you know anyone in America, but that is what we're, we've come to deal with here in Los Angeles. They, they're waving the white flag in law enforcement and they're saying you're on your own. All right, look, they had a terrible shooting, awful shooting in Sacramento, obviously, that you know about. A uh, terrible thing. And, of course, Joe Biden did what the modern Democratic Party does now. It's just the most, I find it to be the most detestable thing in the world. Jump right on the still warm dead bodies and begin pushing gun control. Gun control? Uh, uh, John, is Sacramento the wild west of guns out there? You know, everything that Dianne Feinstein is proposing federally is already on the books in California. Uh, one of these shooters, a guy by the name of Smiley, or alleged shooters, I guess I should say, um, has a rap sheet the size of Leah Thomas's wingspan. And this guy should have been in prison for 10 years. That's what he was convicted of. That's what he was sentenced to. He should have never been allowed to be out to shoot people and prey on people on that side. But because of our parole boards and because of our screwed up criminal justice system, he only served a fraction of his time in prison and was released early so he could allegedly participate in the shooting. The breakdown of government is not related to the gun laws. The breakdown in government is related to keeping criminals in prison, which they fail to do. Yeah, All right. John Phillips, keep doing what you're doing, my brother. Thanks for having me. We still have more. Hunter Biden's laptop, it's actually getting worse, and the media is covering it. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Let's talk about something else real quick first, though. We just had a long talk about crime, right? Cybercrime is the one that's actually wiping people out in this country. And the biggest cybercrime no one talks about is home title theft. Everyone hears about, you know, identity theft. Identity theft is not a crime that is wiping people out. Home title theft... It's getting people evicted from their homes. That's real. The FBI has no handle on it. They don't know how to get ahead of it. They hack into your home title, forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and wipe you out. Go get home title lock now so it doesn't happen to you. What happens is when you sign up for home title lock, they detect any tampering of your home title and shut it down like that. HomeTitleLock.com. Sign up today. Dare I say it, there might be something to be hopeful about when it comes to our judicial system. This Hunter Biden stuff is starting to become a really big deal. Now, I, I understand it's always been a really big deal, but I mean, this is starting to become something they can't cover up anymore. 
they can't wash away anymore. As we have now a grand jury, we have the Durham investigation, we have all these new things coming out about it. This is looking worse and worse and worse and worse, as anyone who was paying attention knew it would. You see, the media can only cover up something for so long, and then eventually they're going to cover something. And I will repeat once again what I have been saying for quite some time. The only reason the communist media we have in this country would turn around and actually start covering this story as loudly as they are now covering this story is, A, they're trying to get out in front of what are about to be very, very serious charges, and B, and this is my own personal prediction, I think the powers that be are tired of Joe Biden, frustrated with him, and I think this entire thing is a coordinated effort to get Joe Biden to resign after the midterms. You tell me, when is the last time you saw CBS News, one of the most disgusting organizations out there, when's the last time you saw CBS go after a Democrat like this? CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This week, Grassley released bank records indicating James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese financed consulting firm. Both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their China work totaling $165,000 a month in 2017 after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. This 2019 subpoena, verified by CBS News, shows federal investigators also sought Hunter and James Biden's business records from a major U.S. bank dating back to 2014 as part of a separate probe by the U.S. attorney in Delaware into possible violations of tax and foreign lobbying laws. That doesn't sound good, but that wasn't that wasn't the first TV you were watching there. That was CBS News. CBS News is covering it like this. Jen Psaki herself keeps getting asked about it, and she doesn't look good. Was it common for President Biden to do favors for Hunter Biden's international business partners, like writing college recommendations for their kids? I have I've seen the report. I have no confirmation or comment on a report about whether or not the president, when he was a private citizen, wrote a college recommendation letter for an individual. I, a college recommendation letter, though, from uh, at the time a former vice president would be a big deal. So do we know what the president might have gotten in return for doing a favor like that? Again, I have no a confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, not uh, serving in public office. That's even the report. But he's the president now, and you're his spokesperson. Correct. And he was not the president at the time of this report. Uh, so there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden. That you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. They were not office mates. Okay. Great. I think they were office mates. Look, they've never worked together. We know they work together. We have, look, we have all kinds of stuff here. 2019 article in the New Yorker, quote, this is Hunter Biden. Dad said, I hope you know what you're doing, talking about the Burisma stuff. Or in 2013, do I need to, do I need to remind you that Joe Biden, this is the most amazing thing about this entire story that gets glossed over. 2013, 
Joe Biden hops on Air Force Two, that's what the vice president has to fly, and he flies over to China. That's a major diplomatic mission, vice president going over to see China, our enemy, frenemy, whatever we want to call them. I hate their guts, so I'm not the one to ask. But okay, so what's the big deal, Jesse? Hunter Biden wins. He hopped on the plane, and when they got to China, we know this for a fact, Joe went off to do official business. Hunter took off to meet some shady Chinese businessmen. Joe was never involved? Oh, get serious. Or this text message, you gotta love this one. Hunter Biden sends a text to his daughter that says this. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, that would be Joe Biden, I won't make you give me half your salary. Hmm. Boy, that is interesting. I guess we do know who the big guy is, right? Also, do you know the name Devin Archer? Perhaps you've heard the name Devin Archer because he's currently in jail on a bond fraud scheme. Oh, whoop, look at that. There he is, Devin Archer, friends with Hunter, golfing with old Papa Joe. How about that? Or we didn't even get to Ukraine yet. I mean, not that that would matter right now with what's going on in the news, right? But we didn't even get to Ukraine. This is a Burisma executive to Hunter Biden in 2015. Okay, so this is someone in Burisma. Remember, the company that hired Hunter to put him on the board when he had no experience wrote to Hunter and said this, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. How about that? Oh, but they were totally separate, right? And lest we forget the bombshell of bombshells, the former business partner, Tony Bubalinski, said it all on camera. So I initially was sitting, uh, because I got there a little earlier, was sitting with Jim Biden and Hunter Biden, and um, Joe came through the lobby with his security, and Hunter um, basically said, hey, give me a second, I'll go over and give me 10 minutes to brief my dad uh, and read him in on things. And so then Hunter and his father and security came through the bar, and uh, obviously I stood up out of respect to shake his hand, and uh, Hunter introduced me as, uh, this is Tony, Dad, uh, the individual I told you about that's helping us with the business that we're working on and the Chinese. So it was clear to you that Joe Biden's son had told him about this business? Crystal clear. Crystal clear. That doesn't sound like he's wavering, does it? We'll stay on this. We'll keep telling you whatever we find out. We still have election integrity talk. Not that that's important or anything with David Perdue next. Now, before we get to that, do you have any idea what the pollen count is here in Texas today? No, I'm not kidding. A local weatherman here said the highest pollen count he'd ever seen in his life was around 6,000. Today, there's actually a red alert on the weather apps here because the pollen count is 9,000. You should see everyone around me snotting and sneezing and their eyes are red. And yet I'm not. And my eyes aren't red. And it's not because of medication. I don't like taking medication. It's because I have three Eden Pure thunderstorms in my home. I keep one in my bedroom at night so I don't wake up with tears coming down my face. I keep one in my son's room so they don't wake up with tears coming down their faces. And I keep one in my living room and I don't have allergies anymore. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE 
And what that does is it gives you a three-pack, a three-pack for $200 off. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. So, but as an officer of the court, you were willing to put your name on a legal pleading alleging that the machines used in Georgia in 2018 were switching votes illegally from one candidate to another. Is that correct? Yes. Um, that sounds like a big deal. Someone should look into that. Joining me now, former senator from the great state of Georgia and now candidate for governor, let's hope he wins, in the great state of Georgia, David Perdue. Senator, uh, I'm just a humble community college guy, but that didn't sound good at all. Jesse, come spend a month with me down here. You'll be shocked at what we're uncovering in Georgia. Um, you know, they say that 62 of these cases around the country have been um, thrown out because of bad evidence. That's not true. They've been thrown out because of uh, or dismissed because of procedural issues and mostly because of legal standing. We have a court case here in Georgia that I've actually picked up now that ruled that uh, the evidence was compelling and they ruled to unseal the ballots in Fulton County for various reasons, just like you just uh, showed in that clip. We, I've joined that lawsuit now and taken it up because that other suit was dismissed because they said, if you watch this, um, voters don't have legal standing. So I'm, I'm pushing now the court to unseal the ballots. I wanna find out if a candidate has legal standing. We're gonna get to the bottom of this, but as I sit here today, Jesse, not one investigation has really been undertaken by an objective third party to look at all these allegations, and that's what we're pushing for. Senator, why? I mean, to what you just said, why? I, I can't understand it because I'm glad you're pursuing it. There's so much video evidence out there of people saying, I've seen this, I've done this, I've done this, and yet there can't be one big investigation. Why? I wish I had the answer for that. If I had the answer to that, I might not be running for governor. I mean, our current governor... <laughs> He caved, no, serious, he caved in, Jesse, to the consent decree in May of 2020 that changed the rules entirely for the election. It gave uh, Stacey Abrams and the, and the woke mob pretty much everything they wanted in that election. And then after we saw what had happened, I, I won that election by 90,000 votes against a Democrat, but got pulled into the uh, runoff because of just a few thousand votes short of a 50% rule. So then... We wanted a special session in the in the General Assembly to find out what had happened, have an investigation, let's find out what had happened, not to change the outcome, but what we wanted was to make sure it didn't happen again in November. I filed three lawsuits. Uh, I actually asked for the resignation of our Secretary of State because we were getting no help from that quarter. And to no avail, none of that helped us. Senator, can you explain that aspect of it because it's so weird for people not in georgia you look and you see oh brian kemp republican governor now some republicans suck and some of them are great but at least he's a republican governor surely he would want election integrity when a bunch of democrats cheat all the time why would he give in to shoot himself in the foot i don't know he could have been the hero here just by having our georgia bureau of investigation investigate anything jesse i mean any of this you see a a movie has just been released called rigged um uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich was here uh, two weeks ago talking about that and uh, voting integrity. And there's another movie coming out by D'Souza, the documentary uh, filmmaker in Hollywood that uh, is gonna show some of these uh, pieces of evidence in graphic form. I've seen this evidence. In May of last year, we were shown this uh, ballot trafficking and harvesting evidence, and so was the governor. The governor was uh, shown this evidence and they have declined to investigate any of this. 
And your viewers are going to see a lot of this evidence begin to roll out here over the next few weeks um, before the primary election, because this is about voting integrity. I've called for an election law enforcement agency in Georgia to enforce voting law. I want to have audits of any certified election, and I want to get rid of these Dominion machines. But to do that, I got to get elected. And in the meantime, Trump told people here two weeks ago at his rally that uh, we've got to get out and overwhelm it, just like we did in Virginia. So if we do that, we can win and we can get this fixed and move our Georgia forward and really stand off the woke mob from this takeover they're trying to perpetrate in Georgia. Senator, the fact that Georgia has kind of gone this way is so odd to a lot of people, myself included. If I was to say there's a state out there with a bunch of scummy election stuff going on, people would say, oh, New York or California. I mean, the, the states you would think. Obviously, Louisiana's got quite a history of it, but never Georgia. When did Georgia become New York Jr.? Well, when I, I'm not sure we're New York Jr. yet, but on the election side, it started with Stacey Abrams back in 13 and 14 in my wow. first Senate race. And then in the 16 election, when she ran, when the president ran, they, they rolled it out again. And then in 18, in that cycle, when Stacey Abrams ran for governor, you, it's, a, it's a strange chemistry between Stacey Abrams, George Soros, Steyer, uh, Zuckerberg, and Bloomberg, I mean, and others. And she's got plenty of money from these radical liberals that think they can take over Georgia. She claimed voter suppression in Georgia, and yet we have hundreds of affidavits here in Georgia where Republicans were denied the right to vote because somebody had stolen their identity and got an absentee ballot in their name and voted. And this is what we want to come to light. Some people broke the law in Georgia, Jesse, and we want to find out who they are and find out who paid them because this is a, this is a dangerous thing that we just saw happen in Georgia and, and other states. And if we're going to have integrity in our voting process in a democratic republic, Georgia is a poster child for that, and you'll see it in this governor's race, you'll see it in the Senate race this year, and then you'll see it how important it is in the next presidential race in 24. Senator, good luck to you. Go get them. Please win. Hey, we are. We got to. We don't have a choice. Thanks, Jesse. Yes, sir. All right. It is time to lighten the mood. Next. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. As we have already brought up to you here on the show, huge news, the CEO of Red Lobster is stepping down. And I feel I should be the one who gets the job. Look, it's not that I'm not thrilled to be here at the first, bringing you amazing television every night, but who's more qualified than me? Who's the menu whisperer? Who's the one who tells you what to order at every restaurant in the country? I do. In, in fact, I'm the menu whisperer for Red Lobster, too. Let's just pause for a moment here because I get people asking me all the time, Jesse, what do you even order there? All right, so you ready for this? I'm going to walk you through your trip to Red Lobster real quick. One, create your own feast. Don't worry about what's on the menu or not. They always have a create your own thing. They're real, they're, look, they're hospitable like that. Here's what you order. You order the shrimp scampi. They have the best shrimp scampi. It comes in these little garlic butter bowls. You order the shrimp scampi, and you order the Cajun shrimp Alfredo. Did I say shrimp Alfredo? No, I didn't. I said Cajun shrimp Alfredo, to which you're going to look at the menu and say, Jesse, what are you talking about? It's not even on here. It's a hidden menu item only menu whisperers even know about. It's fantastic. And then, because they're so nice at Red Lobster, they're going to say, okay, what do you want for a salad? I know you're probably not a salad guy. 
I'm not either. But a lot of people don't know Red Lobster has the greatest blue cheese on the planet. So you get yourself a salad. Make sure you tell them to remove the tomatoes because, come on, and you add extra blue cheese to it. Then, once the lovely waitress runs off to have them prep your meal, they're going to bring you the greatest thing ever, the Cheddar Bay Biscuits, which you should enjoy, indulge. But eventually they're going to bring your meal. When they bring your meal and they set it down and you have that luscious scampi and pasta in front of you, you at that moment say, hey, could you bring me some more Cheddar Bay Biscuits? And they say yes every time. They'll bring you a fresh batch. You then eat all your Cajun shrimp pasta and then you eat your shrimp scampi and then you take those Cheddar Bay Biscuits, the freshies they brought you, and you dip them in the leftover shrimp scampi garlic butter that's in there. It's called dessert. Congratulations. Now let me ask you, who out there is more qualified to be CEO of Red Lobster than me? Nobody. Do you remember? Do you remember? We actually sent Congresswoman Lauren Boebert a nice little gift card, partially used, $27.43. And where did we send her that gift card? Red Lobster. I should be the CEO. There's my pitch. All right. Now, before I forget, we have a special coming tomorrow. It's a special on the World Economic Forum. We talk about them a lot, right? Klaus Schwab, Zivillen. We have an in-depth special tomorrow. We have James Lindsay joining us, all kinds of guests. What is this organization? How powerful are they? Go become a First TV supporter so you can enjoy that. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up today. We'll be back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.